Hi, welcome to What is Wellness, where I speak to experts in many different areas of the wellness field, whether it's environmentalists, um, mental health professionals, doctors, naturopaths, nutritionists, um, and even individuals who just have had incredible, inspiring stories in the wellness space so that we can get a broad picture of what actually is wellness. I'm Kristen O'Connor, and today I am super excited to explore an area of wellness that may not be entirely intuitive. It's astrology. Here to talk to us and teach us all about it is Aurora Tower. Aurora has been studying astrology her entire life, and she went to Brown University. She's also a professional writer. She studied in India as well, and since she's appeared on Good Morning America and Nightline talking about astrology and spirituality, she's also created content for Snapchat and Cosmo. She is an all-around amazing human, and I cannot wait for you to hear what she has to share. Well, hi, Aurora. Thank you for coming on to What is Wellness. Good to have you. So glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. So obviously you have studied astrology and how you got interested in astrology, where you're, you know, how your life kind of took you on this path. And then just to kind of like get into the basics of astrology so that anyone who's listening can kind of have a broader understanding of what we're actually talking about. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, you know, my path through astrology was interesting and I feel like it was a little bit rare for my timing, um, being born in the early eighties. I think it's more common today with younger people getting into astrology with the internet. But back then it was like, I had to teach myself through books and used bookstores and all kinds of things. Um, there just weren't as many resources. Um, but I was fascinated from the time I learned about astrology, which was when I was about 10. And from that point on, just, yeah, read every book I could find. And also magazines were very influential for me. So I always have loved magazines. So I would you know, tear out the horoscopes from Sassy and 17 and YM and these old things. And, you know, they would teach me piece by piece a little bit about how it worked. And, you know, it's, it was still kind of a hobby for a long time. But then when I was in college, I, you know, by that time I had taught myself how to read charts and I was an undergraduate at Brown in Rhode Island. And for the first time in my life, it was like all of the people I hung out with there were like really into astrology and they were going to go on and become, you know, chefs or doctors or engineers or lawyers, but like they had this curiosity and interest. So it was like, I was having a lot of conversations that were really fun. And I did uh, tutorials in the history of astrology at Brown. And, and by the time I was graduating, I was like, I feel like I want to do this. And, you know, somebody does the horoscopes in magazines and it can be me. That's <laughs> That's so cool. Was there, was there a specific moment when you were 10 that it just like clicked for you and you were like, oh my God, I like, I'm so fascinated by this. Well, it, it was just learning about astrology. I had never heard about it until I, I mean, maybe this happened or maybe it's the story in my head of what happened, but I think I was walking with my mom in Central Park. I grew up in New York City uh -huh. and I think she just told me, you know, there are 12 signs and there are four elements and, you know, she was only casually interested in it. I, right. I don't think she expected I would take the <laughs> and roll with it like this, but yeah. And it just made a lot of sense to me right away. And, you know, from that moment on my friendships, my friend groups, other people at my school, I just was 
would always remember, you know, their birthday and what their sign was. And that was another way that I taught myself. And another way that I continue to learn every day in astrology, because it's not something that you master and it's, it's over. It's like knowing you and knowing that you're a Leo that teaches me something about Leo, right? Because now I know you and yeah, your personality and how you're expressing those gifts. So I'm constantly learning from the people around me. Yeah, it's really interesting because it's definitely not a fixed field, right? Like obviously, I'm and and I want to definitely get into the basics of astrology and then you are specific in vibrational astrology, which I was trying to learn about, but I want to absolutely hear it from you. But what's interesting is it this is something that's ever changing just by the nature of this field. Yeah. So I find that really fascinating. It has to be a constant, constantly evolving learning experience. And looking at your website too, you can see how every month is different. I'm sure every day is different. And it's a lot to stay on top of, really is. So given all that, can you give us like a, a really brief summary as if you're almost talking to a child, because I feel like this is where my starting point is. <laughs> what yeah. is you know, what, how would you define astrology and you know, specifically vibrational astrology? So I think the best way to talk about astrology is the metaphors of weather are very helpful um, and seasonality and maps and things like that, because, you know, we all are citizens of planet Earth. Right. So even though we all know that the sun, you know, the Earth revolves around the sun from the position of Earth where we live, it appears that the sun revolves around us and of course the moon as well. And all of us are very accustomed to what that means seasonally, right? Um, whether we live in the Northern Hemisphere or the Southern Hemisphere, we all know what day and night is like. We all know what summer and winter is like. And this is the most basic astrology, right? This is the influence of the sun and moon and the earth together, just those three. But we can extrapolate out farther than that. The other planets also have these predictable cycles with the earth, with the sun, and, you know, just because they're not as visible to us as the difference between day and night and summer and winter does not mean that they're not having an effect. So that's really the starting point of astrology. Just the way you tell someone sleep at night, please <laughs> get your work done in the daytime, you know, plant your seeds in the spring, harvest them in the fall. This is just organically makes sense. This is how those cycles work in our life. So astrologers understand the bigger cycles as well as just those very simple seasonal cycles. Interesting. Wow. That's, yeah. I've never heard it explained like that. And it actually makes it make so much sense to me in, in a way that I've never thought about it before. I've always been super fascinated with astrology and I always looked into my own charts and different things like that. But, you know, I've looked at like what my birth chart is, which I still don't totally understand, but you know, it, it is, I find astrology an interesting way of learning about other people too, and how we can relate to each other, you know, from your knowledge base, how is that a tool that we can use at, you know, in a relational way to kind of have more caring and compassion for other people and really get a deeper understanding of who they are, what their makeup is and how we're interacting with them. Yeah, I think that's such an important part of this and such a good question because, you know, that's really where the juice is, right? Like it's the self, the self-reflection is really important, but ultimately that's to serve us in healthier communities, healthier relationships, like living our lives in a healthier way. And that is 
interconnectedness. So that's a really big part of how I look at astrology and how I perceive it. And to come back a little bit to like the seasonality and kind of weather metaphor, you know, we could say that someone born in the winter has different characteristics, different traits, different priorities. They're accustomed to maybe um, being more self-reflective, introverted, whatever it is. And somebody born in the summer, you know, has that energy of extroversion, of light, of, you know, wanting to break free. So just again, that simple balance, you can say, okay, I can see how a Virgo and an Aquarius have different priorities. I can understand that they, what is natural to them is, you know, a little bit different. So, I mean, that's a very basic kind of starting level of how I would say just even based on sun signs, we can see that people um, just have different priorities and are naturally attuned and accustomed to seeing the world in slightly different ways. And that's a really helpful way to approach any relationship because we tend to sometimes assume, right? We are a great assume, uh, you know, assumption makers as humans that we assume that people are similar to us, you know, that they would do what we would do in that situation or that they're going to act the same way we would act in a relationship. And we often are very surprised that that's not what happens. (laughs) And so how is that really like in a practical scenario, how is that impacted by birth month? So if, so if we're, if we're going in the kind of the analogy of the winter and the summer, and this is interesting because my brother is a winter baby and I'm a summer baby. So if we're given the same kind of set of set of circumstances, what can you kind of generally expect? My brother's January 23rd. So I think that's Aquarius. Is that Aquarius? It is Aquarius. I mean, what's interesting too is, you know, that's a great Aquarius and Leo are a great example of how astrology, you know, again, there's thousands of facets of astrology, but one of my favorites is um, opposite signs, right? So if we look at the world, the calendar, whatever, in six month increments, you know, December is opposite June and, you know, Aquarius is opposite Leo. So they're really a pair. So sometimes when we think of opposites, we think of they have nothing in common, right? But really in astrology, opposites are two sides of the same coin. They just um, kind of express it differently. So with Aquarius and Leo, Aquarius is, you know, uh, an air sign. It's very mental. It's very thoughtful. It's visionary. It's, um, you know, it can be a little critical because it's got this very like mental energy. And the opposite sign Leo is very creative, very personal. It wants to bring out its own personality and originality and connect from that heart level. And they go perfectly together because it's like Aquarius needs Leo's like heart centricness to like kind of humanize. It's very like headiness, right? And like Leo can benefit from Aquarius big picture, big picture perspective and kind of bring that in to like help guide you know, their self-expression. So it's like Leo is a leader and Aquarius is like the community. So again, like they go hand in hand. So when you, when you find pairs of opposite signs, they often have a really um, close, interesting relationship. (laughs) Yeah. That's so interesting. Cause we always talk about that, how my brother and I have never really, I mean, knock on wood, but we've never really clashed. Yeah. I mean, we're so close in age and we always have gotten along and 
that we're, we always have felt kind of so opposite in some ways, but also so in sync. So that is so fascinating that you say that. And it is an exact description of us. You see it all the time in siblings, uh, parent-child, you know, would often be the mother would give birth to a sign, a baby that's the opposite sign. It's way more than statistically kind of probable. They, marriage also, you know. So why is that? Because there's that affinity. There's that sense of, you know, we're not so different that, you know, we have the same priorities. We have this core thread that unites us. We just see it differently, like the seesaw versus signs that are, say, square to one another that really, like, have a very different motivation in life, that really, like, don't have a lot of common ground in general. That's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of not having common ground, you know, I think we all kind of do a little research on people that we're dating and, you know, sort of see, you know, what our compatibility is. And this was something that I found kind of funny, and I've told you about this before, but my and and i think this actually leads to a broader question which i'm really interested in because i think that there's a lot more depth or i know there is a lot more depth to astrology than the singularity of somebody's sign but you know i looked up my la- my last relationship was with a capricorn and it says that our <laughs> like our physical intimacy kind of like compatibility is a 5% and that like could be, couldn't be farther from the truth. And then the my other like seriously intense relationship physically was with a Scorpio. And that was also, those are my two lowest compatibilities, 5% for both. And like, for me, I was like, oh my God, these two signs for me in terms of that specific, those specific two people were like crazy compatible. <laughs> right, right, so right, right. It made me kind of think about how, how that can reflect on, you know, this other aspect of astrology, which is your birth chart and how there, and I, and I've touched on this a little bit in my own life, just to try to understand even greater, you know, information about myself, you know, to drive self-awareness and understanding other people. But, uh, you know, and you asked me, what's your birth time, location and place. So are those the other major factors that play into this to create the kind of like outliers of compatibility, whether it's friendship or a physical relationship, you know, is that, are those the things that come into play or is it even more than that? So the date, time, location of birth, that is what determines the chart. And that is, you know, completely unique. Even a baby born in New York city, five minutes after you, their ascendant degree would be different than yours. That's how quickly things go. So, and a baby born at the exact same time, but another part of the world is going to have a completely, all the planets are flipped just the way it's sunlight in Beijing when it's dark in Sydney or whatever it's the, the planets are in different places. So it's very unique and it's a map of your chart. It's a map of the sky at the exact time that you were born. It will never be duplicated because the patterns of the planets are some of them have orbits that are more than 200 years, you know, so it takes a really long time and they just won't come back to the same position all together at the same time. So, you know, it's very, very unique and it does show us again, a map of the sky when you're born. So we can see where all of the planets were. And, you know, you said kind of outliers and compatibility. And the truth is that the other planets are really more important than the sun in terms of compatibility. Oh, interesting. So, Yeah, you know, the sun really, our sun sign really shows what our greatest gifts and talents are. 
So, you know, the sun is the life force giver of the entire solar system. So that makes sense, right? It's like, what are every single person has special gifts? Every single person has things that they're naturally good at and attuned to. And our sun sign really shows us that. So it, it makes sense that we focus first on that, right? But, you know, sometimes I like to say about the sun sign, it's like the class in school that you do great in, even when you don't really try, you know, it's like just the, what you're naturally gifted at. Right. But there's a lot more behind the scenes and definitely our moon sign is extremely important with compatibility. So, you know, so is the rising sign. So is Venus and Mars, because those are the attraction planets. Venus has a lot to do with especially for women, you know, our desire nature, what really like turns us on in relationships. And for men, their Venus shows what they like in a woman and their relationships. So your Venus, for example, is in Virgo. And so really there's a much bigger Virgoan quality to like what you find important in relationships. So that would look like somebody who is reliable, shows up, like uh, is considerate, remembers the small things, like makes an effort, like all of that is very important to like a Virgo Venus. And Virgo is very compatible with Scorpio and Capricorn, right? Uh Virgo is also your rising sign. So now we see this like big undercurrent of Virgo in your personality. And like, it makes a lot more sense the type of partnerships that you would pick and your Mars sign is cancer. So this is a water sign and it shows the type of men you would be attracted to. Mars is the planet that has to do with sex and drive and ambition and kind of like the masculine principle and Mars and cancer. Yeah. You'd be attracted to a man who has like an emotional, like sensitive side can like show up emotionally and like be a caretaker in a certain capacity. So we can see that Cancer and Virgo really, you know, are just as important. You're a very Leo personality, right? Your sun and moon are in Leo, but that's definitely not the whole picture, right? Of what's important to you as far as relationships. Well, that makes a lot of sense because I was going to like, and and again, like, I know this is super personal because that's the only thing that I can, you know, really relate to on this stuff. But I think my parents are both Cancer and my brother and sister-in-law are both Aquarius. And, you know. So it's really interesting. These If I ended up with a Leo, I would live in some like tent in the middle of the Sahara. I swear to God, like I, something really like obscure would happen. But, you know, it's really interesting to learn about those specifications of astrology. And I'm actually really curious. I think other people would be too, because for me, I don't really, so I, I understand the sun sign, but can you go into more detail about what the moon sign is, what the rising is and what that all means and i know that's probably a super long conversation but in you know in a way to summarize for us those other planets and and the effect on us sure um i will try to make it brief i don't think it's it's actually that complicated but you know hopefully i can summarize it well um but yeah i mean the just because the sun was in um you know let's say pisces from late february to late march the moon changes signs every three days. So on any given year, if you're born on March 1st, you're going to be a Pisces. But on any given year where the moon is on that day might be different. 
when we think about the new moon cycle, right, we know that it takes uh, 28 days for the moon to go through its whole cycle, right, around the earth. Yep. So that means that it's going through all 12 signs in that 28-day period. Got it. Okay. So it's through the whole ecliptic in that 28-day period. So the sun might be, again, in one sign that entire 28 days. But the moon will change signs every three days. So a best friend born four or five days after you, yes, they might be the same sun sign, but they will definitely be a different moon sign. And they will likely be a different rising sign too, because what the rising sign is, it's the daily chart. So the it's where it's what planet is on the eastern horizon when you're born. So again, if we think of the the sun from the perspective of Earth, it appears to rise in the east, right? Goes overhead, sets in the west at night, goes below, so we can't see it. That means that when it comes back around at sunrise, it's then gone through all twelve signs. Wow. So on the day that you were born, it was spent about two hours in each sign. So somebody born even a few hours after you, different rising sign. Wow, that is incredibly yeah. fascinating. And the, the meanings of the, the sun, moon, and rising, again, I talked a little bit about the sun sign as our gifts and talents. The moon sign is a lot about our emotional nature and our kind of habitual emotional nature. Like, what are our comforts? you know, behaviors, like what do we need and want in relationships? What do we retreat into? So it's really important that our partner or other people in our life, like see our moon sign, because that's really, again, how we feel safe, how we feel nurtured. So you're one of those people who was born around the new moon, which means that the sun and moon were together in the sky, right? This happens once a month. And every month in a different sign, you were born at the Leo new moon. So the sun and moon were together in Leo when you were born. So your gifts and your emotional nature are very similar, um, you know, which is great because it's like you feel safe sharing your Leo gifts, right? So it's like, but is that it, what it, that means? Yeah, yeah. Because when our sun sign or moon sign are the same, it's it's like a unification, you know, of our personality in a lot of ways. And we can really like lean full throttle, right? Like into Leo. Um, you don't have like a shy moon sign or something that doesn't want to lean in and go for it and have fun. So it's like, you're just like all in, right? But then the rising sign is our external personality. It's kind of how how we perceive the world kind of, you know, the, the rose colored glasses metaphor, it's like, what color glasses are you looking at the world through? How do you see the world and perceive the world? And by the flip coin, it's kind of how the world sees and perceives you as well. So your rising sign is Virgo, which is very thoughtful, very organized, attentive to detail, very kind of methodical, observant. So it's like you you have this big Leo sun and moon behind the scenes of like this very organized, thoughtful, you know, effective person, right? And it's like a double Leo who might have a Sagittarius rising, let's say, which is another fire sign. Like that's a whole ball of fire flying through the air at you. You know, it's like you have the Virgo ascendant, which really helps you to be an effective manager, essentially, of a lot of creative energy. <laughs> That's really cool. 
Wow. What an, what, what an incredible thing to study and to understand because, you know, even as we're talking, I'm starting to think about, you know, all the different people in my life and, you know, wanting to learn about their signs and everything to really get a better, clearer picture of what makes them tick and what makes them who they are, you know? Yeah. And so I, this is maybe like kind of a strange question, but as we're talking about this, I am thinking about the rising sign and the moon made a lot of sense because you're saying the moon is about kind of emotions, right? And yeah, we think about that as a society a lot because you kind of know that like a full moon is going to maybe set people off and be a little bit kind of funky in their emotions and whatever. So what is the why behind these things? When a baby is born and, you know, we now have there because of the time and the setting and the date, we have these three, you know, aspects of their sign. Why is it, you know, why is it that the position of the moon has an impact or the time of day has an impact on personality and who you really are like inside? This is a, this is such an amazing thing. Is there a really specific reason why? I mean, that's, those are deep questions. Those are big questions. I mean, I think that astrologers, philosophers, esoteric studies, metaphysicians seek to answer questions like that because it's not, it's not well understood, right? Exactly why or how it works. The way that I tend to think about it is, you know, there are two basic paradigms that we can ascribe to in life. Um, the dominant paradigm in our current culture is the materialist scientific paradigm, which posits that everything is inanimate, right? It's just matter. Um, it has no inherent basic qualities right? But it can be measured scientifically. And, you know, to me, that's, that can be called like the disenchanted universe, right? And that's been popular since the time of the enlightenment. It's that like a rock is a rock, a tree is a tree, the sky is a sky. Beyond that, there is nothing, right? Whereas the second kind of basic paradigm is a paradigm that is, you know, described in most world religions, in most esoteric spiritual texts, and, it is the idea that everything is energetic and everything is interconnected and we can't see or necessarily weigh or measure or define or describe it right now, right? With the tools we have in 2021, but that doesn't mean it isn't true. And if you ascribe to that second paradigm, there's room for astrology inside of that paradigm, because again, though we might not understand the, the mechanisms, right? of how everything is interconnected, it would make sense that the moon and the earth and the sun and the tides and all of these things, you know, also impact us, right? Because right. it's, we're all interconnected. So that would be my, my best stab at how I would describe it. No, I find that really interesting. And we talked about how astrology can be something that even though we're learning from astrology, the differences, right. And that part of what makes all of us so incredibly unique. And I love how, how much we explored that, but also it's a unifying thing because it's something much bigger than ourselves as individuals that we can really understand and put our faith into in a way. And I find that really exciting. I think the unknown in our world is the most exciting, you know, because we can't sit here as human beings and think that 
we've experienced and touched on everything in a completely scientific dissected way because we haven't, we can only use a certain percentage of our brains to begin with. And I think that's what's always drawn me personally to astrology. I love the idea of tapping into something that's maybe slightly unknown, that makes a whole lot of sense, and that's much bigger than us. Do, Do tarot cards come into play in your practice or what you've studied at all? Yes. I, my, my process with tarot was different than astrology. Astrology, again, I, I started my deep dive very young and it never stopped. Um, but tarot, you know, I kind of learned a little bit when I was younger and then didn't really practice and then this and that. But in the past five years, it's become a very big part of my practice and my work. And what I find, so I, I do readings every month on YouTube for each sign and, they are applicable for both the sun sign and rising sign because how what's happening today affects us. We can see that from both our sun sign and our rising sign. So that's kind of cool too, for anyone out there who didn't know that you could read or watch or listen to horoscopes um, for anything besides their sun sign. If you know your rising sign, you absolutely should be watching or listening to those as well. But you know, what I do is I talk about the planetary aspects and how they're impacting that sign each month. So again, coming back to like the weather analogy, it's like, if there's a big storm in St. Louis, like that's going to affect people from St. Louis way more than it's going to impact people in San Diego. Right. So it's like, there's a lot of action in Virgo. That's going to be a big deal for them. It's not going to mean the same thing if you're a Gemini. Right. So it's like, that's what you kind of go over in a horoscope, very topical. It has to do with what's planetarily happening today or this month or this year. But what I find with tarot is that, you know, after we talk about all those aspects and thematically, which houses in your life are going to be impacted and the houses have to do with areas of life, finance, money, real estate, etc. Then I look at tarot cards and I, I do a simple three card tarot pull, which is what to release, what to embrace, and the best path forward. And often the messages so directly have to do with what we talked about in the reading. Sometimes they're a bit different. Sometimes they're very nuanced, specific message, but it's something I wouldn't have been able to help someone with, you know, like just sticking with the stars part of it. So I love combining them personally. And there's definitely correspondences between the tarot and astrology, like the cup suit in tarot has to do with the water signs and astrology and emotions and feelings. So, you know, there is direct correspondence to, um, but for me, I just find it gives another layer to what I'm able to offer people as far as a little bit of guidance for the upcoming month. What an in-depth perspective on what to expect. I mean, maybe, do you, do you ever do readings for yourself? All the time. (laughs) (laughs) You do at what moments? Like when you're, does it help you make big decisions in your life? Is it for small things? What, what, what prompts you to do a reading for yourself? Definitely new and full moons are very, because they each set an energetic template. A new moon sets an energetic template that carries forward the next 28 days until the following new moon. Um, and then the full moon is like the halfway point of that cycle, but it kind of adds like a micro theme for the second half of the lunar cycle. So these are very powerful times every month to like check in because it it would be like a milestone, 
in a certain way, right? That's another way we can think about astrology and look at astrology is in our current society, we don't have a lot of milestones anymore. Um, We might have a graduation, a wedding, you know, things like that. But other than that, there's this kind of cruise control, like, you know, linear track that it feels like we're on. Whereas in ancient cultures, they celebrated seasonality. They celebrated equinoxes and solstices and different things. They understood that like we're starting in different energetic point right now for the next month or few months and putting your energy into that shift really helps. It really helps break down our life into like manageable bite-sized pieces and like align ourselves. What's most effective for me to be looking at or focusing on or emphasizing now? I love that. I mean, that that's actually such a positive thing that we can all do. And given that, is there anything that you recommend to people during those times that they can kind of use it as a like hitting the refresh button? Is there something that you can kind of incorporate into your life as a ritual to not just acknowledge that time period, but also sort of enhance its potential meaning and power. Absolutely. I mean, even just a cursory knowledge of the signs is helpful in this because, you know, for example, we're about to have a new moon in Gemini. And if you understand a little bit of the symbolism of Gemini, it has to do with communication, ideas, information. It's an air sign. It's very mental and verbal then you can just say to yourself, whatever your sign is, you know, okay, in that area of communication in my life, what goals do I have in this area? Or what do I want to reset or restart in this area? So just simply attuning things like that. And that will be different from one month later when there's a new moon in cancer that has to do with home, family, domestic issues. You can spend time meditating on what I want or think about in that part of my life. And of course, you can go much deeper if you know your birth chart, if you know in depth what the aspects are for that particular new moon. But that's one way you can do it. The rule of thumb is that the days leading up to a new moon, it's the very end of the 28-day cycle. So it's the best time to shed and release things. Mm. So you can do release rituals again, possibly around things that have to do with, you know, the the sign of that new moon that you're completing and, or the area of life where that falls in your chart, if you're a little more advanced. So you can spend time, you can write things on paper and tear them up. You can journal about it, kind of work like that. And then within a few days after the new moon is the time to set the intentions, is the time to think about those Gemini keywords, what is, you know, what do I want in this part of my life? What do I know I can improve there and write those down, you know, and make that a priority. And so just simply that act of intentionality is very powerful and self-reflection because the planets are, you know, they're all in that energy at this moment. So it's like, they're our allies, right. To help us in that area of life with those themes to like upgrade our experience. I mean, I feel like blown away right now because this is all of a sudden everything that we've talked about has not only made sense, but also it feels like such a great opportunity. And when I think about everything that you're saying with each month or with each cycle, thinking about it in a certain area, a certain house you know, of your life and really being able, because we get so cluttered and bogged down with, you know, trying to focus on everything and trying to address everything in our lives. And if we can take it 
by which lunar cycle is kind of most powerful during that time. And at the beginning, really focus on what we need to change and build. And by the end, it's a cleansing. It's like cleaning out your house. And I love that idea of tear. I love writing. <laughs> when there's anything emotional going on, you better believe I am sitting here with a pen and a paper, old school, writing everything out by hand, pouring my emotions on paper. And the idea of lighting it on fire or like ripping it up, is it's just such a great physical symbology, is that a word, um, of, of, of that cleansing. And then to then have a fresh start in that new house is just, I'm like, so I'm obviously just so excited about that. What a great idea and a great tool for people. But also given that, how do people who don't, you know, I think most people, and it's very easy to find what your sun sign is, but if people don't know the rest of their signs and their birth chart, how do they figure that out? There's so much fortunately online now and in apps. It's great. I mean, I personally did, um, a project with Snapchat where we made it so that Snapchat users for free, Snapchat's a free app. So if you're a Snapchat user, you can input your date, time, and place of birth and have a full personality profile. It will tell you your sun sign, moon sign, Venus sign, everything. So, you know, that's the one that I worked on. But there's also things, um, you know, plenty of other apps in the app store that you can do that. There's a free website called astro.com that, you know, is every astrologer's kind of like old school site that they go to and, for free, you can input your birth information and um, be able to look and kind of figure those things out. That's so cool. And now people can come back and like rewind on this, this podcast and be like, what did Aurora say about the rising sign and the moon and all of that? It's really, really, really cool. But since this is called What is Wellness, what is Aurora Tower's definition of wellness given your unique background? Hmm. I think wellness is being true to ourselves, like being our true selves and feeling safe and comfortable expressing that and exploring that and, you know, making the choices that internally feel nourishing and supportive to us. And again, that's different for everyone. And astrology is one slice of how we can get more information about that for ourselves. And there's many other pieces of the wellness puzzle, of course, but that's to me, um, it, it is that sense of deep inner alignment with our true self and kind of letting that be a, a guidepost for our choices rather than kind of externally choosing things that are like externally reflected. I love that. And I do think that a sense of really truly knowing who you are and being open to exploring that gives you such a sense of peace. Um, And because it gives you that peace, it also reduces your stress, which is a direct impact on your overall health. I think it's such an incredible tool to have and resource for people. And you're just a wealth of knowledge. I hope that we can talk again about all of this and get into more detail at another time also, because this has been so fun. I would absolutely love to. It's been really, really fun. And yeah, I've loved chatting about all of this with you. All right. So, and just to wrap up, is it too scary or should we do a little quick reading and let everybody tap into my soul? (laughs) Whoa, fun. Let's definitely do it. (laughs) 
So we are going to do, let's do the traditional three card pull that I like to do of what to release, what to embrace and best path forward for Kristen. <laughs> I'm very excited. One more. Kristen, Kristen, Kristen. All right. Your release card is the four of cups and your embrace card is temperance. And your best path forward card is the Hierophant. Whoa. Very interesting. So you have two major arcana cards, Temperance and the Hierophant. So the difference between the major arcana and the minor arcana, the major arcana often have to do with big archetypal thematic shifts in our life and themes in our life, whereas the minor arcana have more to do with daily activities and events, um, kind of the mundane aspects of our life. So your release position is the four of cups. And this shows a little bit of indecision that's been happening for you because the cups are an emotional water suit and they have to do with our feelings and our emotions. And the four is kind of like, it's not quite sure which direction to go in. It might be a little bit like frustrated or disappointed. Maybe certain things didn't go the way they wanted. But what the card really means is that you're not seeing some other options that are available to you. Some other things that if you if you can see the card or if anyone is familiar with the, the imagery of the three of cups, it's a man sitting by a tree. There's three cups in front of him and he's being offered a, a fourth cup by spirit, but he can't really see it. His arms are crossed. He's kind of like contemplating the past or other things. So this is a reminder to you to come back to beginner's mind in a certain way with a lot of things. And, you know, anything that's gone on kind of like shake it off so that you can be available for in new inspiration, new uplifting situations, new things that are, are indeed available to you, but just kind of might be outside the periphery of what you thought was going to happen or where you thought you were going to get those cups. That's so, that pretty on point, actually. <laughs> there you go, right? Yeah, so shifting, it's like a little bit of a mindset shift. And your embrace card is temperance. And this is a beautiful, beautiful card. It's a card of healing. I mean, we can see there's cups in this card too, and they're being poured back and forth between each other. This is like divine inspiration, divine intuition. It's very balanced. It's very healthy, healed, whole wellness kind of energy. There is like a divine wellness in this card. And you can see that the the angel has one foot in the water, one foot on land. They're being very intuitively guided. They trust themselves and their emotions, but they still have a foot on land. They know how to ground into it and they know how to stay practical with what is going on. And that gives them these like amazing abilities to move forward. So it's, you know, knowing that like you have temperance to look forward to, right? Like if you release the, you know, the four of cups is a very affirming message, right? Mm -hmm. And the best path forward card is the Hierophant. And, you know, this, I feel like 
is so suited to what you're doing right now with this podcast and everything else, because it's really, it's a learning card, right? And like, you're talking to people, like interesting people in all kinds of different fields and absorbing all kinds of information. And the Hierophant has to do with that. And it also has to do with our discernment, right, around those issues. So again, really kind of deciding who, um, you know, like what information, what ideas, what what is valuable from everything that you're taking in, right? And it might not be what you expect, right? Like with this Four of Cups, maybe there's certain directions you've been looking in or certain teachers you've been looking at that you're like, actually, I don't, I don't resonate with that anymore. But there's other ones or teachers or directions or things that you're like, oh, wow, that's like this totally amazing, you know, way of looking at, you know, this, this area or whatever. So there's discernment also involved in the Hierophant. And there's also like a breaking away from expectations. That's really important with this card, because sometimes the Hierophant has to do with our conditioning. It has to do with like what we were raised to think like, well, this is who you are and this is what you should do. And these are the things that are important and da, 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 da. And we internalize those messages, right? Even when the voices stop, we've internalized that. So it's a process that we can go through in adulthood where we're like, wait, actually, like, I don't buy into that at all. (laughs) You know, like, that's actually not who I am. That's not what's important to me. I'm not going to listen to that authority figure right from my past or my religion or my culture or subculture about like what I'm allowed to do or who I'm allowed to be like that isn't that isn't right for me so the hierophant a lot is about discernment in that area as well well it's really really interesting it's like it's almost like coming to a screeching halt and stopping to just take a deep breath and re-approach life which is actually (laughs) which is actually kind of what I'm doing actually right now Wow. Seriously. Career shift, major like changes, huge. That's really fascinating. And I'm not how the, it really is amazing how the cards pick that up. And you and I did not discuss any details that's going on in my life at all before this, like zero. Zero. And, you know, this was just like what wanted to come through for you, right? Like as some guidance for like, as you're making these big transitions, like that's how I always see it. You know, free, we all have free will. There is nothing that, you know, we don't have choice around, but like having some additional archetypal guidance and suggestions on how to approach and reflect on the choices we're making is really, really valuable. And it doesn't surprise me at all that you're going through this big career thing because you're Virgo rising, which we already talked about. But that means that Gemini is your 10th house. Gemini is your career area. And since May of 2020, we've been having eclipses in Gemini and the opposite sign Sagittarius. We have a huge Gemini solar eclipse in a week about. And eclipses are like super, super charged new moons um, or full moons. So it's like if you whatever area of life Gemini falls for any, you know, listener, anyone you know, you're having big changes in that part of your life. For you, it's career. You have this major eclipse right at the top of your chart in your career area. And it's interesting too, that Gemini is your career area because Gemini is the sign of duality and twins and multiplicity. People who have Gemini up at this part of their chart like to do lots of different things. They have different interests (laughs) and passions. Yes, that is. 
mean, that's your natural personality, right? Yeah, that is yeah. just who you are. But now you're deciding again that discernment, which one of all these possibilities is like a really aligned one. Yeah, it's really interesting. In May of last year, some uh, I had a major shift also. Something huge happened with me in my personal life. And then now for May of this year to be another huge shift actually makes so much sense because it's sort of connected, but not. And yeah. that's just absolutely incredible. So just, you know, as we wrap up, do you offer readings and personal consultations to people? Can people, you know, have face-to-face with you or do you strictly kind of do your YouTube channel and write and things like that? Yeah, I'm strictly digital online right now. I'm, I haven't been offering readings for quite a while. Um, but you know, these monthly videos, I just love doing them. I really feel like connected. I love rewatching them at the end of the month. And it's just like, yeah, it feels like interesting way of presenting the material. So I love doing that. And then on my blog, I do kind of in-depth energetics for each new and full moon. So you know, I'm I'm kind of spreading out um, the resources that way. And I think eventually I'll start doing some online classes, maybe teaching a little bit and doing maybe like a four week, maybe a whole new moon cycle, right? Or getting into teaching some of the astrology, some of the houses, how to work with big shifts, how to work with the lunar cycle, manifesting with astrology, all those kind of topics. So that's probably a little farther down the line. Our, our next podcast is going to be manifesting using astrology. That's hit a chord. I would love to talk to you about that. Well, I think yeah. it's really cool. that what, what is your YouTube channel? How do people find you on YouTube? Just my name, Aurora Tower. Um, there's a vibrational astrology banner at the top as well. And then my website is vibrational-astrology.com. And I'm so grateful that you do that each month. And now I know where to go for information and to do my new cleansing and restart ritual that I'm so pumped about. I mean, genuinely love that so much. (laughs) You've been such a gift to talk to Aurora. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Kristen. I appreciate it too. Thank you so much. You're so welcome, Aurora. Thanks everybody for listening and tuning in. Please don't forget to subscribe and give us a rating. Good ones, please. Next up, we have Dr. Peter Diadamo wrote The Blood Type Diet and also started my career. So can't wait for that. Catch y'all later. Bye.